0: what's up everybody welcome to another episode of outside perspective i am your host adam meredith hey listen i'm just sitting down with some interesting humans trying to gain some perspective and i appreciate you guys joining me on this ride this episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo superfoods you can go check them out go to jombocbd.com and they have a full line of products. They have topicals and drops and sprays. I absolutely love their muscle balm. By far, one of my favorite products. Listen, CBD, cannabidiol, one of many compounds found in the cannabis plant, but this one is showing to have many, many medicinal properties. And just some of the the things that you know it's helping people with are things like mood regulation and brain health and gut health. And it does aid in um, you know regulating your inflammation so just a lot of benefits to be had by you know incorporating you know just this one compound from the cannabis plant and uh, you know topically again I love the muscle bomb from Jumbo Superfoods I've used it after training jujitsu, and it has um, it's been game-changing it helps with my sore muscles and my sore joints uh, It just helps with that pain go check them out JumboCBD.com you will save 20% off of your entire order. That's right. They are hooking up our listeners with a 20% off code. When you use the code outside at checkout, you'll save 20% off of the entire order. And I'm pretty sure they're almost always doing buy two, get one free. So you throw two in your cart, you'll get that third one for free. And it's just a win-win for everybody all right my guest i sit down with michael roth mike is a former professional baseball pitcher he's uh you know went through the minor league system was called up a handful of times and um, just kind of went that whole journey and today he is a real estate uh he's a commercial real estate agent in greenville south carolina so i was in south carolina doing some other work and, um, while, you know, obviously whenever I'm traveling around, man, I got to take the opportunity to try to connect with who I can. So big shout out to Patricia Burgess, who set this up. Uh, she's an entrepreneur as well and has a phenomenal story. We'll actually end up having her on the podcast at a later date. We'll find some time to uh, connect and sit down. But I was in South Carolina with my producer Rick. We were doing some other work and we had the opportunity to connect with Mike while we were there. And man, this guy, so he went to the University of South Carolina, led them to two World Series, just had a, you know, a phenomenal baseball career and then now he is, you know, he has transitioned into the civilian world, no more, pro, you know, no more professional athletics. Um and You know, we 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 talked about that. You know, so it was it was a good conversation. I really enjoyed, um, you know, connecting with Mike. Anytime I can connect with somebody who has performed at a high level and you know, a former athlete, you know, there's just there's just like an instant connection there. It's it's always a good time. So without any further ado, guys, let's get to the conversation. I have Michael Roth. Let's gain some perspective. clap sync sync up the audio normally we have like a little clicker yeah but this is it all right man michael roth (laughs) so dude thanks again for doing this i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and sit you know sitting down with us um dude you you recently transitioned I I i want to start with kind of where you are today right, right. because yeah. i mean you play baseball for so long and i'm sure you try to talk about that with quite a bit of people if they're like asking you stuff it's right. oh dude so what was that like so we'll, we'll get to there but um dude you're in a whole new space right now right like you know we we're talking about a little bit yeah off the off the recording and you're in real estate now what's yeah. that you know what
1: yeah. 2019 was a, a hu- huge transition year. For yeah. Me. You know, I went from, this was my first full year in a real job.
0: Like, <laughs> you know, like
1: we're talking about. Yeah. It. Um, so now I'm doing commercial real estate and, and, and really it's like, that there's so much into that, but I, I just basically tell people this office building that we're sitting in or that you operate a business out of. I like, I sell and lease those. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's various aspects into the business that I want to get into. Yeah. But it's been a, a learning year. I mean. Yeah, I imagine that learning yeah, curve is pretty big. Yeah, you know, big. and it's, it was a fun year. I've learned a lot. And this time of year, it's always, you know, when you're around the holidays, I always kind of like look back on what went well this year and what do I want to do next year. Yeah. Um, so it's been a good time to kind of go through what I've done in real
0: estate and right, in,
1: and what went well, and what do I need to do and improve?
0: yeah, is that a common practice for you, looking back over the year and, and yeah. assessing that? yeah, I did that with
1: in my baseball career, yeah, and you know i I used to not make it such a formal practice yeah. where I would write things down, I would just kind of go to a coffee shop and think about it, and now I like physically write things down that's the difference, and right I, it's beyond yeah, it makes a real difference yeah it does and you can go back and see like I could go back and look at my notes from last year and be like okay what did I want to what did I say I wanted to be at this time this year yep where where did I hit okay yeah I'm like halfway there on there you know I hit that one I hit that one man I completely forgot about this goal right it's easy to forget it is and if it's not in front of you and so it's it's things like that where you know I can go back and look at what I did well look at what changed in my life yeah I mean because our lives are always changing always you know and it's the only constant yeah I mean (laughs) yeah exactly and in real estate we say every like every three months you need to reach out to someone because something may change yeah they may not want to sell their building now but in three months they might always be following up and so you know for me it's something that I wanted to do may have changed in the middle of the year yeah and I like to go back and look at it
0: and also see what can
1: I do better next
0: year? Right. Yeah. And writing down is definitely the move for the longest time I would go without like writing my goals down. Kind of like you, like yeah. it's just, you're always thinking about them. And you know, when you are in athletics, the goal is pretty fucking clear. You yeah. Know what I mean, like yeah, yeah. this is the goal and it's always right. on your mind. Mm-hmm. But once you start getting into like the business world or real life or whatever I you want to say, you know what yeah. I mean? It's, it's, it's good to have, you know, to, take that time to write it down like make it real and remind yourself of it too the reminders
1: are so huge do you have a vision board i don't and that's something i've been looking into (laughs) actually and so there's um there's one guy that i've uh, Ryan Holiday, I don't yep. know if you know. Yeah, so dude, he's, great, great. Well, he's yeah. just
0: written like three books,
1: four. books? Yeah, he's written three. a ton of books, but three of them are on like stoicism. Yeah, and yep. um, the last obstacles is the way. Yeah, obstacles away. I yeah. think the last one that he came out with was uh, "Stillness is the Key" or something. Is that is that his
0: newest one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: And he's big on like having the book, having like your notebook that you're gonna write in, or your like your your goals like immediately in front of you, so yep. that way. You have to, like, move it in order
0: to see it and then start your day. Oh, yeah. So if you're getting your book, page one, boom, there's your goals. Right. Go through, and now you're on the next one. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it really helps to have those visual reminders. Yeah. Um, I found it's, it's crazy. Um, so probably, I guess maybe a little over a year ago now, I got uh, off of Amazon, I just got these these vision boards. So like half of it's a whiteboard, the other half is a cork board. Okay. So I got three of those for one for me and two for my kids. or one for each of my kids. I have two kids. Yeah. And uh, I made them sit down with me and do a vision board. And uh, it's just it's just so crazy. Like once you put something on that board and then you start working towards it to like check it off, it right? It feels so good to do that. So we did that with the podcast we started. And um, I put three names on the list. I mean, I had a whole list of people I want to sit down with. Yeah. But I put three names on the list, specific for like St. Louis, which is where I live. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to get like the three biggest people in the city that I could think of at the yeah. time. And and I got two out of the three. And uh, one of them was we just recently sat down with, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, his name's Andy Frisella. Andy Frisella. Yeah, no worries. He um, no. He's a pretty big entrepreneur okay. and um, has a few different companies, or I think he has like seven or eight companies. Wow. But Huge following, like a That's million, million and a half followers. Oh and, wow! Yeah, dude, just just uh, number one business podcast on on the earth is called the MF CEO Project, and uh, just a huge guy in the space. So like, I put him as like number one on the vision board. It's like this is who I want to sit down with. Like within, the, I gave myself like twelve months. Right. And uh, and we did it, and it's like man, like it's so surreal to yeah. like put some shit down and then you check it off the list.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's why you do it. Yeah, too, you know, yeah. What, you put it down so you can follow through. Because yeah. if it's if it's not in front of you, it's easy to fool yourself, right? Right. It's easy to, it, you know, in my role now, if I don't track like who I'm calling or the number of calls that I make or like the deals that I'm pursuing, yeah, and it's easy for me to like lie to myself and be like, oh, I'm so busy. We're really, am I really that busy? Right. You know? do yeah. I have because because we all like to say oh, man, life's so good. I'm so busy right now. Things are crazy. But if you really, like, look at it, we do a lot of busy work. Yeah. But are we
0: doing quality work? Yeah, is it is it, like, are you being effective? Right. Are you working efficiently? Like, yeah. busy is a badge of honor. Yeah. I don't, yeah. it's like. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, man, I'm so busy. Yeah. Busy doing what, bro? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you you're just going eating Twinkies or something? Like, Busy are you, staring at the emails, you know, and, like, responding to emails that are nothing. Yeah, so. all busy work. And it's, and. Man, yeah, so many people just get wrapped up in things that like don't don't actually take you a step forward. Right. Just they're just they're just running in circles. Yeah, you and know?
1: and that's kind of what I realized for me going into this year was one of the reasons I got into commercial real estate is is I really it's it's very entrepreneurial. Right. I kind of work for myself. No, I don't have anyone that dictates my time. Yeah. So the f- the freedom Is something that I love. Yeah. And I was like, man, I'm excited about that. When I look back on that from, like, you know, in 2019, the freedom that I had, I loved it. But I'm also like, man, I had no structure, so I was able to create bad habits. Yeah. And so now I realize, okay, I have to create the same structure that I created when I was playing baseball. Right. I have to put some new structures in place in my life in order to be more effective and more efficient.
0: Yeah. Dude, structure is key. You know, like having that discipline and like having those routines, it feels good to not have those. And like when you come from such a, like a structured background, like you are in baseball Mm -hmm. or, you know, I I mean, I did sports for a really long time and I fought at a high level. Like your whole life is pretty structured. It's like I got practice and more practice and more, and then games. And it's like everything is very singular focused. But when you're in the entrepreneur space, And you're out there just trying to build some shit. Like, there is no blueprint. You know what I mean? Like, you can follow some other people's business plans and some things that they've done. But at the end of the day, like, we're all just out here trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. And And the
1: blueprint's the only one that you can create. right? Right. And the vision that you see, that's, and then you go create your blueprint from there. And you may have the wrong path. Yeah. But you're going to figure it out as you move along. You'll be like, okay, I need to pivot and do this. Yeah.
0: that's so important, like, to be able to pivot. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm very guilty of of setting my mind to something. Like, no, that's, like, this is what I'm going to do. And that's good, too. Like, you, the goal doesn't have to change just the way you get there. Right. Like, that's okay. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard to sometimes, like, get out of your way and make those changes. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the the big things that you're you're really looking to do in this space, man? I mean, you chose commercial real estate, which yeah. I mean, you could have went residential, but you're like you're going for the big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know it's it's funny when I got into commercial real
1: estate, every everyone's like, oh, why'd you pick commercial and not residential? You know, you you'd kill it. Everyone always says like, oh, you'll do great, you'll do great. Yeah, and and I'm like, well. I thought initially I was getting into commercial because I'm like, ah, it's more business like. You know, people don't make decisions emotionally like they do buying a home. Because I like know when I bought my home, well, we bought our home online because I didn't even <laughs> see it. Really? Out, yeah, I was out in Texas. Oh, like, shit. we just put it under contract. You're and a brave man. I know, yeah. And, yeah, and there's some things that I regret about that, but it's okay. It's learning. Uh, yeah, exactly. You learn. Live and learn. But we were just like, oh, it's pretty. You know, it looks nice. It has an open floor plan. Yeah. You know? We didn't make it. It wasn't like, oh, this is going to be a great investment. Yeah. You know, we bought it for, like, safety, security, and my wife was like, oh, this is great. Yeah. I'm like, okay. We'll buy it. You know, that was an emotional decision. Yeah. Well, I thought getting into commercial real estate, there would be less of that.
0: It's the same, huh? And
1: it's the same. I mean, we all make, uh, as individuals, we make decisions emotionally. Yeah. Right? All so emotion. we or just all decisions, rather. Yeah. We, everything that we do is all based off our emotions. We just try to justify it with something after the Usually fact. Usually after, yeah, yeah, after the fact. After the fact, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this because it makes sense X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. You probably, if you peel the onion back, you know, you peel those layers, you made it because you wanted to do it. Yeah. And then now you're justifying it with those numbers. Right. So. Th- yeah. And that's what I thought. I thought it would be less of that, but now I'm more realizing that it's uh, everything we do is based off of emotions.
0: Yeah, it really is. So
1: all that to say, commercial real estate has been great. I got into it because when I was playing in yeah. 2016, um, you know, as a starting pitcher, we don't get to play every day. Right? right. A lot of our work is done before the lights come on. Mm-hmm. And then once the lights come on, we're kind of just hanging out. Yeah. And in 2016, I was in Round Rock, Texas. Mm-hmm. And I was a starting pitcher. And so the, the richest guy on the field was our volunteer first base coach. Oh, really? And, and so we would sit there, you know, during the games. And he would tell me about the business that he was in. He would tell me the deals that he was doing, like investing in. I'm like, yeah. man, I need access like to like how this. can I get into yeah, this yeah like I need this shit you know <laughs> and so this was probably in July um, I started making some phone calls because I knew I was coming back here to Greenville in the off season and so I was like man I need to figure out I need to get access to deals I don't know anything about real estate I mean I had a business background and going to school and graduated with international business but okay. I didn't know anything about real estate the only real estate my parents ever bought was their house okay so I didn't know anything about it, and I just wanted access to it. So I just started making phone calls and got hooked up with um, the firm that I'm with now, actually NAI Earl Furman, and just kind of started as an intern. Okay. Because I just wanted to learn.
0: You really had to humble yourself for that.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, you know, they were like, "Do you want to get paid?" And I was like, "No, I don't. I don't care about that. I just want to learn. learn." Yeah. Like, just, you know, if I put a deal together. Great. Great. That's what I want to get paid for. But right. You don't need to put pay me on salary. Just to be there. Yeah. So. Um, that's how I got into it. It was just I was playing ball and I was like, Man, these driving by all these things that were being built and I'm right. like, how are they making money doing this? Yeah.
0: I'm always, I'm always so fascinated by um just the big development that happens in certain yeah. cities. It's like, man, like I can just the the conversations and the handshakes that are happening behind closed doors and, and man, like when you can when you see a developer come in and just like completely change an area, yeah. Like damn dude, like that's some really cool shit to see.
1: I mean that's that's Greenville too. Like this yeah. town, when I grew up, when I grew up, you didn't really venture past the Westin Pointe Hotel, which is a little bit you know we're here up near North Main. Okay. And so if you go further, further down, which they call the West End. Okay. It's there's the Westin Pointe Hotel. You didn't really go past that. And then in 2005, they built the uh, baseball stadium down here, okay. and then people started doing. There's started to be all this development that connected the baseball stadium up here. Towards Main Street, and it completely changes town. Yeah. I mean, people started actually going downtown. Mm-hmm. All this restaurants just revitalizes started, yeah. the whole area. Yeah, it completely changed Greenville,
0: and it's why people love to live here. Yeah, so that's what you're about to get into. <laughs> about to start changing the face of the city. I'm going to try. Was that a hard transition to, uh, you know, leave this life that you've known forever? You know what I mean? Athletics and 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 make that. You know, obviously we kind of said a little bit, but you know, you're, you're, you're ready. Right. right. But I found at least for me a little bit. And then just a lot of athletes, like your whole identity is wrapped up in what you do. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? And that's something I really had to like break. Like the things I do aren't who I am. Yeah. So when people ask me like, what do you do? Or like they always want you to put like labels on different things. It's like, mm-hmm. I have a hard time. Cause I do so many different things right. saying like, I'm this or I'm that. Yeah. Was that a hard thing to, to like, you know, you identified as a professional, you know, pitcher. Right. And you're a baseball player. And yeah. You, how long, when did you start baseball?
1: So, yeah, man, I think I started playing when I was three years old. My mom actually lied on a YMCA <laughs> t-ball form so I could start playing. Way earlier. to go, mom. Um. Yeah, no, I know. I got to give her a ton of credit. I had an older brother and older sister, like 11 um, years and eight years older than me. Okay. So they were way older, and I think she was just sick of me not you know not doing it she was like it's time for i had so much energy that she just wanted me to yeah the hell out of the house are you the youngest something. of three yeah i'm
0: the I, youngest oh man that's an interesting position to be in in the family mix especially with yeah. that big gap mm-hmm. i'm like the uh, so i have two younger brothers i grew up with and uh one is like i think six or seven years younger and the other one's like 12 years younger than me oh wow so my youngest brother's probably like in your boat yeah. in the family mix yeah, yeah. so i can it's probably a different different life growing up because you're almost like an only child i would imagine a I little mean, bit yeah
1: essentially you yeah know, from middle school on i was so right um but it, I mean, it was a great life. I'm close to my brother and sister. They still live in Greenville. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, so I started playing back, you know, I've been playing baseball forever. Yeah.
0: So was that a hard transition then out of baseball? Like once you,
1: you know, to answer that question, I needed to like, go back to what you said, where baseball was definitely part of my identity. Yeah. Growing up, like I always wanted to be a professional baseball player i knew it you know there was uh, and i i played multiple sports i played basketball i played soccer but baseball was always like my first love yeah and so uh, you know i would go and i was always like the baseball player well um, you know in high school it was always something out every weekend going to another tournament right and doing something so I, i always had that label on me yep and i fought pretty hard to not identify with baseball. But I think that's something that, especially we as males, have a tendency to do is to identify with our work. Yeah, like what we do, like that's who we are. Yeah. And when I got to college, you know, you go from being, you know, the best player on your team to now you're back kind of at the low man on the totem pole. you got to fight your way up. Yeah. And that first year was really hard to get to be, you know, to feel – satisfied because I I was tied up in my identity being baseball. Right. And so I, I fought that pretty hard. And so all the way into when I started playing professionally, that's still, that was still a battle of mine was like not identifying with the results of baseball. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, playing seven years professionally, when I went into the 2018 season, I kind of knew that it was like a, a make or break it season for me. the, this miner's lifestyle, I just didn't love. Yeah, it just wasn't. You know, you're having a good time with some buddies, but you're constantly on the road. You're you're uprooting. I, you know, I got married in 2016 in December, so she came with me. She once she did that, she quit her job here in Greenville and hit the road with me. It's yeah. like, well, if we're gonna be married, like let's, let's be together, let's do at this least. thing, yeah. you know. And so in 2018, I kind of knew it went into that year. I was coming off an injury, and I was like. I just need, this needs to be a big year. I'm probably going to be done. Yeah. And, you know, I started out really well and, and just kind of fizzled near the end and I just was burnt out. Yeah. And, and, so I thought I was ready. You know, I thought I was like, man, I'll be just be fine to hang it up. It'll be great. Yeah. And actually went down for one, I went down to the Dominican Republic to play for two months just to make some, Some you get paid pretty cash. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You get paid in cash. And so I was like, maybe. And every time I've been down there, it, like, rekindled my love for baseball. Okay. Because it's – They
0: have such a amazing baseball community down there,
1: don't they? Oh, it's, like, the purest sense of baseball ever. I mean, you're playing on fields that aren't, like, the nicest. Yeah. And in stadiums that aren't the best, you know, compared to the U.S. Yeah. But the players are having a blast. The fans are having a blast. Yeah. It's just a different style. It's, like, they're, those fans treat it like American football here.
0: Yeah. That's cool and to see.
1: And so it makes it, like, such a fun environment. So when I was down there, I just didn't feel that fire again. And oh. I was like, man, I know this I know this is it. Like, yeah. I know it's time for me to come back home. Like, yeah. whenever I wanted to – whenever I – if I would have rather have been at home with my wife and my dog versus being on the mound, I knew that yeah. it was time to hang it
0: up. When you're done, you're done, man. Like, yeah. it, you mentally have to be there. If you're not, then it's it's for nothing. You, you just – I mean, you can't push through the things that you
1: have to do. Like, let's – even when I was playing baseball and I loved it. Yeah. Even in high school, college, professionally, there's things that I didn't like to do. You yeah. Know? But I knew I had to do them in order to be... Right, you do it In order way. to be good. In order to excel like I wanted to excel, I knew that I had to do them. Yeah. When you get to that point where you're just not... Your heart's not in it. Yeah. You can't do those things. No. You can't push through those things. Nope. And so I thought, you know, it was around this time when I announced that I was... You know, everybody calls it retirement from baseball. I was like, I'm just... I'm done. I guess I'm quitting. Stopping, yeah. yeah, I'm just, I'm not playing anymore. Um, <laughs> you retired. Yeah, and I just, I don't like, I didn't like calling it retirement. That's cause, a weird word, huh? Yeah. You know, and it's not like I'm like riding off into the sunset. Baseball didn't make me enough money where I can just sit back. Yeah. Nor am I the type of person that, even if it did pay me, you know, $100 million, that I would sit on a beach somewhere and do yeah. nothing.
0: I will never retire. Yeah, no. it's such a weird word. It's because it, retirement implies you're just stopping. I feel like, like, what is retirement? Is that just where you wait to die? Is that is that what I think retirement? So yeah, yeah I that.
1: think so. And that I don't want to wait to die. No, you know? <laughs> like, like I'm still
0: doing shit. I'm shit. waiting
1: to die now. You know, it's right. just, but I'm gonna be doing stuff while I can. Absolutely. So. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I thought I was really prepared, and it was a lot harder to to say hey, I'm I'm done and I'm finished. Yeah. Um, but as hard as it was to. To really say hey i'm I'm done, I haven't missed playing, yeah to be honest with you,
0: that probably surprises a lot of people,
1: yeah, you know, and it's and I think it's just going from one thing that you know to something that I don't know, yeah, like I went into you know I went from a life of playing baseball that I've done, you know i I made money for doing yeah. it for seven years, and so I went from that to now I'm in a completely new career, you know one year was good, but
0: yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, well, you're back at the beginning
1: yeah you every you know you kind of restart, so it's i you know i I don't know yeah, you know there's there's all this unknown and so i, I but i didn't miss playing, i didn't yeah. miss playing it's i actually went um it's funny, so i'm i'm a british citizen as well, yeah so
0: you played for their team, yeah,
1: so I went over to um Germany and played for team Great Britain in September for the uh we were trying to qualify for the olympics okay and we just didn't have a great tournament we had a lot of fun yeah but we just weren't very good yeah and so we went over there and i played and still like i had fun playing because i was with some guys that i'd played with before but i still wasn't like fired up like it didn't make me you could feel the like man i want to go play again i had so many people say oh did it make you want to go out there and try again yeah and i was like no, I'm good. I just want to go back home. Like, ready to go home, yeah. and chill with my dogs, and what? Yeah, life. this
0: was like a fun, fun week and a half. But yeah, you know, I'm good. So I totally understand that. I I stopped fighting, I guess, two and a half years ago now. Yeah. And um, man, I had like probably one of the best years of my life. And like I was about to get signed by a pretty big organization, and then I, I blew out my shoulder, had to um, mm-hmm. get surgery on my rotator cuff and uh, labrum, and that right. was like a it was like another year until I fought again. Yeah. So whenever I fought, I was. Physically better than I ever was, and I felt like mentally I was there. But then when I got into the cage, I didn't want it. Like yeah. just, I was just like, I don't even want to be here. Like this isn't fun. Like I don't enjoy this. And uh, and then I was like, all right, well, whatever. And then I lost that fight, and I took another one. Same thing. Like I was physically, like weight cut was easier than it ever was. Like I fought 170 pounds. Okay. I usually walk around about 190, so I cut 20 pounds. So yeah. like, weight cut was really easy. I felt great. I was in fantastic shape, but then I got in the fight, and uh, I was winning both the, my my two last fights. I lost them both, but I was winning the fights but like up until I lost. Right. And it was just a situation, man. Like if your heart isn't into it and your mind isn't into it, when you start going through the shit, when you go through the difficult times, you know whether that's you know you're probably late in a game and you guys you need to like pitch perfectly, or yeah. you know I need to get out of the submission. When those hard times ha- like hit, you won't make it through it if you don't really want it. Right. And then like that's when you know it's time to hang it up. Yeah. And then for me, and tell me if you're like this, but like it came to a point where I feel like if I do what I'm supposed to do, A plus B equals C, so then I expect to win. And then if I win, it doesn't give me the same bump like you know I don't get the same high from winning right. that I used to yeah. and then if I lose I just hate my fucking life <laughs> <laughs> yeah I get it man dude I it's, it's crazy that. like I don't yeah. some people don't understand that but winning is great but it's not everything right you know what I mean mm. like sometimes it just doesn't get you the same high but it, there's not there's no high like winning though oh man it's and that's you know that's what was so so
1: hard sometimes is you know, everybody in sports, they're like, focus on the process, don't worry about the results, and and I get that, but obviously, we're always judged on our results. We want the result, Right, and that's, that's what you're shooting for. Right. Now, I know that in order to be successful, you can't only look at wins and losses, right? Yeah. Over a period of time. But for me, when I was playing, at least the last couple of years, it got to the point where you know, if I won, I was like, oh, great. I'm like, I should have won. Yeah, I should have You know, and if I didn't, I'm like, this shit sucks. Dude, think, I'm going to quit. I'm going to think about <laughs> yeah. this for months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now, like, you know what's funny is, is baseball pitch, you know, pitchers, starting pitchers are always like, man, our job sucks because, we, you know, we throw one day and have to wait five more days. I mean, you guys have to wait months. Months, months. dude.
0: And you're just sitting on that. Man, it's like you, you train for – two three months you know and you know then you get a fight and it's like all right cool i want to do that again next week it's like (laughs) no dude you gotta you gotta wait some time bro and it's like man if you're lucky you fight four maybe five times a year sometimes dude sometimes i would i cut weight one time i cut weight i weighed in guy weighed in talking shit and then didn't come to the fight the next day this was as an amateur though, and I'm just like, come on, man, I just went through all this shit. I just drove yeah. here. I just weighed in. <laughs> Dude, the the waiting sucks. Yeah. The waiting sucks, man. But um so when I, we're gonna stick with baseball. Okay. Um, take me back to the beginning. So you started when you were three. Yeah. You played were were there any um like, early mentors, like, throughout your career that, like, really kind of molded how you look at things?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, well, first, I would say my parents. Okay. I mean, they were always super supportive of any, anything that I wanted to do, and especially sports-related. Yeah. I mean, my – and I think it's from my mom's background when she was younger. Like, her parents never really, like, supported her in sports. Okay. But she – and I always make fun of her, but she did like synchronized swimming and oh. field hockey. Dope. So she's um, she was Brit. So she was the British. Uh, she's probably a
0: savage, family. dude. Girls are one mean. <laughs> and I've seen some field hockey games. They fuck each other up with oh, those yeah. sticks. Bro. I'm sure. I believe it. I believe <laughs> it. Um, my mom's a cold Brit, so. Uh, <laughs>
1: but no, she she was awesome. And so, my dad's from New York, so they're Northerners. But I was born and raised here in Greenville. That's an interesting. And. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so my um, you know, my dad played baseball growing up. Okay. My and my mom played some sports when she was was older and so they were always supportive of anything we did. You know, my, when I was younger, my sister was playing travel basketball, like okay. AAU basketball. And you know, and I started playing baseball. And so my parents would kind of split, my dad would go with me and then my my mom would go with my sister and when my sister went on to college, you know, it was kind of like my mom would – it was just my, my mom and dad and I. Yeah, all eyes on you. And, yeah, exactly. But they – um, I mean, my dad was was the dad where if, you know, if I wanted, like, hit wiffle balls in the backyard, he would come home after work and, nice. you know, we'd go and, like, smash wiffle balls until it was dark. And even then we'd, like, jump and turn the floodlight on. That's you know? cool. Um, so without them really helping me and also pushing me too, like my dad would say, listen, if you want to be good, like – you need to go put in the work. You need yeah. to go up to the facility and, like, hit some balls or go hit balls and tea in the tee yeah. in the cage. And and so I think my dad had kind of instilled that, like, hard work in me. Yeah. And he still does. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget when, when I was in high school. Like, I was a pretty good student, you know. I didn't have to study that much just because I was lucky enough to, like, if I listened in class, I would retain the information. Kind of come to you. Yeah. And – my dad would always be like, "Make sure you're studying. You know, if you're if you're not studying hard, yeah." And so they expected it all A's out of me, but he would always ask me like, "If I had studied for my tests?" And I'm like, "Dad, I got it." And so, but he he did it in college too. Like, would constantly call me. He's He'd always be like, on Hey, you. how's your test? So Make sure you're working hard. And yeah. so that's something that he like drilled into me. So you you've been held
0: accountable your whole life.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's yeah. something that, you know, and he was more like hands-on where he. Wanted to make sure I was doing it, and my mom would be like, "Just let him be. Like, if he screws it up, it's on
0: him. If he fails, he fails. So Seek or you, swim, buddy." Yeah, you had you I had swim.
1: like two schools of thought there, so it was really helpful for both of them. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, you know, I had some really good coaches along the way. Um, one of one of my good coaches was in, and my dad actually never coached me once I got to like serious.
0: He stepped back. Baseball.
1: Yeah, he kind of stepped back and he was more like the coach in the background for me. You know, he always coached me at my swing and, you know, throwing, but he never was on the field like yelling at me.
0: Like overstepping. Yeah. Yeah. That's so big, man. So many parents do that. You know what I mean? Like I wrestled for a really long time. So that's actually what got me into fighting. And you see a lot of dads, like they're trying to be the coach. It's like, no, man, like you need to step back and let somebody else coach your kid. And some of those, yeah, yeah, exactly. And because you can't
1: separate, you can't separate from it emotionally from some parents can't. Yeah. And if you can't, then you need to step back and let your kid one, just go play. Like also when you're younger, it's, they're not getting paid to do this. Right. It's just fun. You're you're instilling, you know, there's character values to learn from that, but let them go have fun. Right. Like, Like that's what it's supposed to be. Right. Um, and then – but, yeah, I had some really good coaches. Like, one was um, Bobby Bevel. He was a coach. He was actually the baseball coach at Anderson Col- Anderson College, which is now Anderson University. Okay. Um, and he coached me when I was younger. And then my high school coach was a really good coach on the field. He just wasn't necessarily <laughs> the best person off the field. Okay. He's good um, at his job. <laughs> yeah, he knew baseball. And he kind of – you know, he knew – I learned a lot from him baseball-wise. And then – Um, Coach Tanner at South Carolina was a really good coach for me. Like, I I hated him sometimes. Those are the best ones. Yeah, I mean, you know, fucking yeah. You're like that guy's an asshole. Bite you right now, dude. And we we got into it sometimes, but I think it was just like I knew how competitive he was. Yeah, and he knew how competitive I was, but we respected the hell out of each other. Right, and that's what was important. Is I always knew what his goal was his goal was to win and like to make us better men and better baseball players yeah and so even if i thought he was an asshole at that time yeah you know it's still i knew i knew that he meant well there's
0: a purpose there
1: and and then um in college i had two for pitching i would say i had two really good pitching coaches my first two years i had mark Calvi, and he was the coach that was like all about mentality yeah you know um he was a catcher so he didn't he knew a lot about pitching and knew a ton of mechanics, but the big thing that he stressed was, like, when you're on the mound, you're the fucking guy. Like, you it's your ball. Shit. Like, you do what you want. Like, throw the pitch with conviction because if you doubt yourself at all, yeah. you're not going to be – it's not going to be the right pitch. Yeah. You, you know, you're going to throw it without the conviction to get that by. There will be some
0: sort out. of hesitation there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you hesitate. I always say if you hesitate, you die.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's perfect. Yeah. That's the exact same thing with baseball. And then he left, and then my last two years I had uh, Jerry Myers, and he was like a pitching – he pitched, and so he knew – he's like focused on all the mechanics, and he really helped me fine-tune my mechanics to help me make some big jumps yeah. for, as a pitcher. Um, And so I'd say along my life there was kind of – there was always someone there Yeah, that was really pouring into me and I don't think they did it just to like pour into me. I think it was they were just good coaches. Yeah. You know, and they were trying to pour into their players. Yeah. And and if you're a player and you recognize that and you, you grab a hold of it, yeah. Then that's when you can you can make the next, you can make the jumps that you wanna make. Right. If you have a coach that's willing to pour the time and effort into you Yeah. and you're willing to receive it. Yeah,
0: and you gotta put in the work. Yeah. One hundred percent, man. Um I had a I had a high school coach and he would say that, uh, listen, if I'm talking to you and I'm on you, like that's a good thing. The moment I quit talking to you, like that's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. My freshman year, I'll never forget, me and uh, my roommate Adam Matthews, we'd come home after every practice and be like, so what
0: did uh, Coach Channer, you know, yell at you today for? <laughs> like, cause we got yelled at every, every day. It's like, hey, Coach, you know I'm balling, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And we're like, gosh, why
1: is it like he's constantly on us? And, and we're like, why is he not on this guy? You yeah. know, why is he not on this guy? And we're like, what? you know, when I was there, it pissed me off. It doesn't make sense. And now that I look back on it, I know, like, Coach Tanner, one, knew how to push certain guys, like yeah. certain guys that had he had to push. And right. good leaders – here's the thing. Good leaders recognize that you can't motivate and you can't – you can't treat everyone the same. Right. Because not everyone – it responds to the same stimuli. We're right? all different, and so there would be a couple of us that would just get like cussed out every day, <laughs> or like just he's constantly on us. We're like, "Damn, what are we doing?" Roth, you no good son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. Like, <laughs> what are you We're doing? Like, hey, do this, you know? We're like, "Gosh, we we must suck," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and we probably did, <laughs> but it um it also made me better because I I could handle that. I yeah. could handle that stuff and. And I know he did it because he wanted us to make make us better players. Yeah.
0: And you become a better man out of it. I mean, at the end of the day, life is fucking hard. Yeah. And people want to act like, especially, and you'll probably notice this, or you probably already noticed it, like in the corporate world, and the more you talk, like everybody wants to frame everything in a very positive manner. Oh, like yeah. everything's positive. Everything's positive. You can't say anything negative. Right. And like I'm even guilty of, like, how can I frame this in the most positive way and you try to like sugarcoat things, but at the end of the day life is fucking hard, yeah, and you're gonna you know you're gonna take losses, and right. you know it's it's not gonna be easy, and not everything is positive, and you just gotta work through it man and yeah. it's, it's good to have somebody kind of on your ass helping you deal with the hard shit, you know, and I think that's important like
1: in all of life, yeah, right? like you've gotta have someone that's willing to push you, yeah, you know, and that could be. You know, for me, like when I was looking at this past year and what I've done, because um, commercial real estate all it is is sales. Really. Yeah, I mean it's just another sales job. It's so I look back and I'm like, all right, what did I do? Did I have the right behaviors? And I'm like, I was like, I-, I need to learn some basic things because I was like, I'm not as good as as good at sales as I thought I was. Yeah. So I hired a sales coach. You know, oh, nice. and it's like now I have somebody that's, you know, h- holding me accountable. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he's not there to motivate me. You know, he's not sending me a text message like, go get him today, Michael. Yeah. You know, because if if you don't have that inherent motivation, then there's something wrong. Right. But it's more of, like, if I get stuck with something or, hey, I, he, here's the behaviors that I'm doing. You know, I go back to him and he's like, hey, that's that's a good framework. How about you try this? Or yeah. how about you try this? Yeah. And I think we could have that in all of our lives, you know. For me, sometimes, if I'm not... If I'm not like constantly pursuing my wife, yeah. then it could just be she turns into my roommate. And that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. not a good marriage. You gotta put in work and everything. And so if I've and sometimes it you know, it could be a friend, like just a buddy who you get coffee with, and that's kinda what I do. I've got a buddy, I'm like, Hey man, how's life? Like let's be honest. Yeah. You know, like let's be real. I know we're we're men and we're like, Oh, things are great, man. Things yeah, are great. bro, I'm good. Just lifted everything's okay. <laughs> but it's like, no, man. You like, know, life's kind of hard like life's hard dude like, family's dealing with this and my family's got this and like let's share those things and be honest yeah like
0: have those open dialogues yeah. like that's so important man and like just to have those people that you can have those honest conversations with and uh you know to have those people that will hold you accountable like that just goes so far in life i'm yeah. such, i'm such a big uh proponent of you know, constantly like taking audit of like the energy that you allow around you and in your space. Yeah. So I'm just so huge on, you know, just having the right people around me and associating with the right people because like that's what's gonna lead to your ultimate success. Yeah. And uh I mean, I think coaches are very undervalued for the majority of the population. I mean for guys like you and I where we've always had a coach in our life. Right. It's easy to see how that translates into success yeah. right but so many people just ignore it In from my perspective of uh, i do a lot of health coaching and you know some movement training right and that's always the first thing people put on the back burner for whether it's business or family like they don't take care of themselves and their health or you know you'll teach somebody something and they're like oh i got it i got it i don't need a trainer anymore it's like dude there's just so much you don't know and even if you do know it everybody needs a coach like your right. coach needs a coach yeah so it helps to have those people I in your life. couldn't agree more. You know, when I was
1: playing professionally, everybody be like, what kind of workouts do you do? Like, what do you – and I was like, I have a trainer. Like, I pay someone money to write a workout specific to me that I know is up on – you know, he's read up on the most recent things going on with shoulder research. Yeah. And, you know, the body and movement and power exercises. Like, I paid that guy money so that way – he could yeah he could coach me the best so i could become the best baseball player and focus on the movements and not yeah. do that cuz
0: i just wasn't into that stuff well and there's so much information like yeah, you can there's no way you could have possibly have learned it all right you know what i mean so yeah. it's like let me just pay somebody cuz the the return on that investment is so huge yeah, people see massive. that yeah it's 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 an investment not an expense yeah you exactly know, people don't
1: understand and, that and um You know, you talk about, like, how people focus on their life and on their work, and this year that was something, too. Like, I went from training pretty much every day from baseball, and I was like, man, I just need a break. So I didn't work out for, like, three months. (laughs) And then this year I started getting back into it, and I was pretty pretty lax. And so I'm not necessarily in my best shape, but, like, I got up this morning at 530 in the morning and went and worked out because I know that, one, like, having that discipline to get up early in the morning it puts me in a better position to be effective at other areas of my life. Yeah. But also, like, I want to be healthy. Like, I don't want to be some fat slob. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, and I also know how it makes me feel. Like, it gives me a ton of energy. Yeah. And if I don't wake up and work out in the morning, then some those, are, those other mornings, I'm kind of like, oh, man, I'm just moving along my day, and I don't have the same energy level. Yeah. And... So, the like, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it, too, as a former athlete, having, you know, didn't do anything for three months. And even this year, I was pretty relaxed on pursuing working out. So yeah. So, you need – and even then, I don't just go to the gym. Yeah. You know, like, you got to have somebody that, like, knows what they're doing. Yeah. Tells you what they're doing.
0: Well, it's weird because whenever, you know, you, you grow up in an athletic system and everything is surrounded around, you know, training. Right. You know, it's – you kind of get this mindset and you see it even with guys who aren't athletes you know you start you start getting older and you know you don't recover the same and everybody wants to still train the same way they're like oh man I gotta go hit the barbell and I gotta push 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 and you know more and more and more and more but it's for, like, longevity and health, you don't have to train the same way. You don't right. have to go hit, you know, the weights every day. Like, maybe just lift, like, three days a week and, and go hike for a couple of days. Yeah. And, you know, maybe try some yoga or, you know, yeah. w- whatever you're into. Go play a pickup game or something, you know. Right. Just stay active. Yeah, make it fun. S- yeah. Stay moving.
1: Well, we get, like, we get used to, or at least now that I'm, like, in this, like, nine-to-five role, essentially, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, You kind of, you, like, come home, have dinner, and then you can – Sit your ass on this couch and watch TV, and yeah. you know, Netflix and chill. Yeah. And that's like a very, I mean, especially in the South. You know, when I was in California, you would see a lot more active people.
0: Very active community.
1: And in the South, we're more, we're not as active. And I don't know why that is. It's, I guess. Yeah. But it's. But I just thought, always thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. And I look back on this year and I'm like, man. I had way too many, like, Netflix and chill nights, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, and they add up. It's like,
0: how would that happen? Yeah, you're
1: like, what what happened? But it's like my wife and I just love messing around playing tennis. We're not any good at it, but we have a tennis court right around the corner. Yeah. So it's like, why don't we do that once or twice just a week? Just get out there and go do that. And so literally, like, a month or two ago, we went and bought rackets. Oh, nice. <laughs> Started going and messing around. But it's um, things like that that you can do just to stay active. And it can be a workout without really – having to go to a gym. You know? Yeah,
0: man. I mean, you don't have to, uh, like, beat yourself down. Most most yeah. people feel like, oh, man, if I didn't walk out of there and I'm not just completely drenched and I don't feel like I'm about to die, then I didn't get anything done. Right. But, like, that's just going to take away from everything else. Yeah. Right? Like, getting up in the morning like you do and getting some movement in, like, that sets the pace for the whole day and yeah. then you feel good.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, I think one of the things, you know, you talked about, we appreciate coaches, but I think more people are starting to appreciate coaches, too, because... And, and whether they're pedigrees there or not, but you look at all of these, um, specifically in the health area, yeah. where you've got like these boutique workout things popping up, like Orange Theory, yeah. or a nine-round, nine round, yep. or... There's, there's plenty, yeah, yeah. There's tons of them that are popping up. yeah But they all have a coach, even CrossFit, cro- coach that cro- like designs a workout, and you go through it. Yeah. And that's, you know, you're done with your workout. There's a lot less people going to a Gold Gym's and a Planet Fitness yeah. to just do nothing, you know, or walk on the treadmill. And yeah. I think that's, people are starting to appreciate some direction. Yeah. And if they start to realize that in other areas of their lives, it could be a very positive thing.
0: It very it very well could. It very well could. Um, do you have a morning routine?
1: Um, I do. You know, I'd say it's pretty loose. Um, so for me, I wake up and I just immediately jump and go work out. Okay. So just get ready. And I come home, throw the coffee, well, protein shake, get the coffee going. Okay. And then I'll sit down and kind of read some things in the morning. Okay. Um, kind of take 15, 20 minutes just to read and that could be like some spiritual stuff or sometimes it's just straight like a business newsletter that I get every morning. Yeah. Just something. Um, and that's kind of like my decompress and then I get ready and go to my day. Okay. And start the work. I try not to immediately sit down, you know, right when I sit at the office, I don't want to like turn my email on. Yeah. That's a trap. Because you're just bombarded with emails. Yeah. Um, and you can get sucked into just that. Busy work. You're just there. Um, and so I'm actually going through right now and trying to figure out how do I want to tweak my morning routine? Like, do yeah. I want to wake up earlier and go work out earlier? Yeah. And then have, like, you know, an hour of time to reflect and prep for the day? Or, yeah. You know, what does that look like? Because I also want, you know, in my ideal world, I would sleep four hours, right? Like, that, <laughs> I would love that. If I could go to bed at, like, you know Jocko Willink? Right? I do love okay. Jocko, yeah. So. I feel like that guy never sleeps. Like he wakes up at like four thirty or Special something. Special human
0: that one. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it, I would love to go to bed at like midnight and wake up at four. Yeah, but I just am not functional enough yeah. to do that. How much How much sleep do you typically get? About seven hours. Okay,
0: that's that's legit, man. Yeah, and that's
1: that's pretty good. Like yeah. if I could shrink it, I would, but yeah. I can't operate on that.
0: Yeah, anymore. that's do that's one area I found like you don't want to skip. Yeah. Because it's going to affect everything else. Like sleep and recovery is the foundation of health. Even outside of nutrition, even outside of movement. Because you can be eating well and you can still be like getting the training in. But if you don't recover, then it's all for nothing.
1: Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And it changes your mood, right? Like yeah. if you have a bad night of sleep or if you if you slept like crap, there's sometimes in those days where you're just irritable. Yeah, like, it's tough. You know, and I, I woke up the other day at 4 in the morning And I was, like, wide-eyed, took my dog out because I just, like, got up. I don't even know what caused it. Yeah. And I tried to lay back down. I laid there for 30 minutes, and I was just, I was like, screw this. I'm going to get up and go do something. Yeah. Now, that that day I wasn't, like, didn't get, you know, irritable. I think it was just I was up and moving. Yeah. But there's other times where, like, I'm tossing and turning all night, and I wake up at 5, and I'm like. It's rough, man. I'm like, what the hell, you know? Yeah. And that whole day is. A terrible day, <laughs> you know. Because I'm, I'm, like, I'm I so respond. Mike, you need a Snickers,
0: Mike. You're <laughs> yeah, not yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I
1: just like respond like an asshole to my wife or to anybody. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, man, that's you got to have sleep. You yeah, have it's
0: sleep. it's so important. I get so irritable if I don't have sleep. Yeah, it's tough. I was, uh I think, I don't think I had a best night's sleep the other day. And I was talking to my girlfriend, and she said something. I'm like, Deja, like, this, like, listen to my words, not my tone. <laughs> like, <laughs> just listen to the words like this is what I'm saying I understand I'm a little grumpy right now just listen to what I'm saying if only we could all do that right it's Mm. tough it's tough it was also kind of a joke I don't know there's a comedian I just found him his name's uh, I think Richard Chong or Chang or something he has a new Netflix special and I I just saw it and it was probably one of the funniest fucking specials I've seen in a long time and he's uh, so he's from China and he made that joke he's like my wife says I have tone issues <laughs> he's like he's like listen to my words not what I say he's like I really love spending all this money on three weddings it was great <laughs> Because he has a very, like, traditional family. So, like, they had, like, a wedding. And um, I think his wife is from Australia. So, he had, like, a wedding in Australia and then Uh, one in New York and then one in, uh, in, like, Hong Kong or something. So, he had all for the same person. He's like, I love it so much. Like, it was so great. I'm so (laughs) – he's like, listen to my words. So, like, that's how I am. So, anytime I start saying some shit, I'm like, Deja, listen to my words, not my tone. (laughs) I'm I'm so monotone.
1: I'm going to have to listen. I'm going to have to uh – Dude, I'm going to have to go check that out. It was
0: pretty funny. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is, but he's my new, f- my, my new favorite comic. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Funny. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Um, so are you uh, – like how do you like to learn, dude? Like are you a, a reader? Do you like listen to podcasts? Or like what do you t- – I know you mentioned Jocko. Yeah. like Who are some people you like to – I read and I learn by like podcasting. Um,
1: I listen to books too sometimes. Yeah, I do a lot so, of audiobooks. Yeah, audiobooks are good. Um, I definitely love reading – and sometimes it's just like studying stuff, like yeah. digging in and just like getting on a subject. And I'm like, I just need to figure out yeah. what is going on just here. Just dive in there. I've got like three books on rotation right now. And this is not typical of me, but like I'm audiobooking Grit okay, um, yep. by Angela Duckworth. Mm-hmm. And um, another book I'm reading is How to Be a Futurist, I think. Not familiar I'm with that. i trying to one. think. I don't know who write, wrote that. I saw it on my our CEO's desk. Okay. And I was like, is this a good book? And he's like, Oh, it's phenomenal. I was like, Well let me grab it. I'll bring yeah. it back in a month. Yeah. And um and the other book I'm I'm reading is Sapiens. By, yeah, great book.
0: Yeah. And so what is his name? Something Havari? It's I listened to that one though. I didn't actually yeah, read it. But it's I try not to
1: read like thought provoking books before I go to bed or I'll Otherwise, I would never sleep. Yeah. But I like to get in bed and read for a little bit. Yeah. And then go to sleep. But okay. You ca I can't read thought-provoking books. Like the yeah. Futurist One or like Grit would make me think of business things. Yep. You know? Or yeah. like things that I could do or to be better at whatever. And if I do that, then I'll never go to sleep. Or it'll take me another hour and a half to go to sleep. Yeah. So I try to read... Like, Sapiens, to me, isn't that thought-provoking. It's more of, like, a history, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Or just, like, a fiction book. Yeah. They say fiction's best before bed. Yeah. Because, to your point, it's not that analytical part of your mind. Right. I have a hard time reading fiction. I prefer nonfiction. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't do the the reading before bed. I like to read in the morning. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I found a solid morning routine is, for me, is, like, the best way to get going. And if I don't... Do that, then I kind of feel behind on the day. Gotcha. Yeah, so I did this um this program called uh, Seventy Five Hard, okay, and it's by that same guy Andy Frisella, and it's it's seventy five days straight, and uh, you do you you read ten pages a day of like a self development book, you drink a gallon of water, um you do two workouts a day, um, they're both forty five minutes, and one of them has to be outside. Okay. Um, You follow a diet, whatever diet you want, but there's no cheat meals and there's no alcohol. And gotcha. then you take a progress pick every day. And uh, you do that for 75 days straight. If you don't do any of those things on any of those days and you fail that day, and you go back to day one. Oh, dang. Yeah. So I did that, and it just really put together, like, a solid morning routine for myself. Right. And the part of that was, like, getting those 10 pages in and then just, like, just that, that, that routine and structure, like, having that discipline. Yeah. It helps so much yeah. because, um, I mean, motivation is, is is fleek. Like, it'll go away. Right. You know, oh, yeah. You got to have doubt. those disciplines. Yeah, though. you got to
1: put some structure into your life. Like, just like I was saying earlier, for me, it's self-imposed structure. Like, I like that because yeah. I think that's helpful for me. Like, other people, you know, my wife, when she was looking for a job when we came back to Greenville, she wanted a job with structure. She yeah. she's not she doesn't like self imposed structure. I like it. And I like it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like I know that I need that. Yeah. And so um I in reading in the morning, I would love to. I think I would have to wake up earlier to do it. Probably. But, um I mean, I, I feel like I do my
0: best thinking in the morning. Yeah. And so That's how I am. Like I'm like a battery. Like I wake up, I'm full on charge. Yeah. And then probably by six o'clock i'm done it's like don't even talk my brain doesn't work anymore <laughs> it's tough we've done some podcasts before in the evening and i'm just like all right we're gonna get through this we're yeah. gonna get through this but i'm not my best right now <laughs> yeah i hear you that makes sense it happens do you journal or anything i think i mean you talked about yeah. that a little bit
1: um you know journaling is something that i've always wanted to do and i've yeah. never really got into it on a like a progressive habit yeah um it's it's one of those things that I really go through and I do. I more journal like the end of year plans and new year plans. Yeah. And then kind of check back up on those like halfway through the year. Yeah. So the idea of journaling. It's nice. It sounds good.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's a practice I want to put into my life yet. Yeah. But I do know that. From a business standpoint, from, like, real estate, I definitely, it's not so much of a journal as more of I'm, like, logging the things that I'm doing. Yeah.
0: And Just writing it down. Yeah,
1: I'm just like, hey, I've called these people, these people, these people. And so at the end of on a Friday, yeah. you know, I can look and say, what did I actually do this week? Yeah. Did I, like, do what I, the practices that I've said I wanted to do? Like yeah. Like, make 100 dials and, you know, set a meeting and have three three lunches with, you know, various people. Like, are those the things, that th- those behaviors that I said, you know, now that I want to create for 2020, am I actually doing that? Yeah. So I think it's, it can be a good thing. Yeah. Um, my wife loves a journal. I know it's, it's beneficial for me sometimes when I, whenever I want to like go back and reflect. I do journal a little bit, but yeah. not. I'm not an everyday guy. Yeah, I don't journal
0: either. It's one of those things. Again, I would love to do it. Yeah, but it's just like putting it into practice. It's like ah, one more thing to do. Idea sounds nice, though. It's very nice in in theory, right? An mm-hmm. idea. I know a lot of people get a lot of benefit out of it, so I'm always interested in like you know who does it and who doesn't.
1: Yeah, I think it's you know I think everyone's got to figure out their own thing, like whatever works for them. Yeah, and there's so many things out there that you could do, right? Oh, there's, infinite. There's so many practices that you could put into place somebody would tell you like meditation yeah like like the apps do you know the app headspace yep okay so like meditating is also great and Mm -hmm. it could take as little as three five minutes yeah it doesn't take much and that's something that i would like to do more of too because when i was doing that i was like man this is like good it's peaceful it helps you bring you back to like just being present just just
0: being present yeah i get that with jujitsu Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's like a moving meditation, yeah like a guy's sense. trying to choke you, and you got you have to be present <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know i've always i've actually been interested in doing some jujitsu. just i've never you know i never was into like fighting or wrestling or anything, but jujitsu like sounds it sounds like a lot of fun
0: dude it's it's one of those things that when you start. It's tough. It's just, you know, you got to really humble yourself. You're going to fucking get tapped out a lot. But, like, yeah. you just keep showing up and you just keep doing it. Eventually, you get better and you, you tap out less. Yeah. And a, a lot of people, when they're starting, there's so many different things to do and learn. that You want to learn it all. It's like drinking from a fire hose. But it's yeah. like, dude, just keep showing up, keep doing it, and, like, you'll get better. And everything just develops. It's a process. Do you think it needs to be, like, a everyday thing? Or could you go, like, two times a week and just... I would say... If, you're, if it's something like you're just kind of like working in the mix, yeah. I would say two or three times ideally. Okay. Just would be like maybe like a couple technique classes and then if you can work it in like one day of like just live rolling if you can get it in. Because most gyms usually have like – they'll do a technique and then like there might be some live rolling at the end of the class or maybe something um, – worked into it right but then usually there's like an open mat day where you can go in and that's all you do it's just roll so it's good to to get the mix of both so that way you can start applying some of the things you're learning and then also kind of figure out what does and doesn't work gotcha Um, some people do like one or the other and it's good to kind of have a good mix of the both but I promise you once you start you're gonna be like I want to do this all the time (laughs) really dude it's so addictive it's I mean it's just it's human chess it's such a puzzle and it's so complex and there's just so many just different little things. I think that's
1: what interests me the most is like the strategy
0: behind it. Dude, it's crazy. Like for me, I, I've been doing this for a decade now, like doing jujitsu and you kind of get to a point to where like, once you kind of learn those angles and those leverage points and different things, like you find new ways to challenge yourself. But I mean, I roll with someone who's like three hundred pounds and it's like not that big of a deal you know right. what i mean so it's 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 a cool skill to have yeah. to figure out those different ways to kind of control the human body and right. and make them unconscious <laughs> <laughs> like, it doesn't doesn't hurt to have in just
1: everyday life either so it, it definitely helps yeah. for me
0: dude, really dude it's just about like having the peace of mind and the confidence that yeah. no matter what happens like you're okay yeah you know what i mean like it's there's a lot of mental training i found most of life is just mental yeah, it's all about training the mind. Don't disagree with that. Yeah, man, you can go, you can go real, uh, you can go real far with a strong mindset. Right now, I wanted to ask you something. Um, what your thoughts were? I don't know if you recently saw that the MLB just uh, uh, they just approved cannabis. Yeah, what were what your thoughts on that? Um, well, so
1: let me. My Major League Baseball, when you were on the big league roster. Um, and the 40-man roster. So you've got the 25-man active roster when you're in the big leagues. Okay. And you've got the extended roster at 40-man players.
0: So is the 40-man also in the big leagues? or well, do, they do those
1: the other 15 or so, like, could be in AAA. So when okay. I was in – I was on the 40-man when I was in AA a couple times. And so what that means is they could just call me up. They could call me up a lot easier and send me down okay. uh, just, like, within a day. Yeah. Which they did several times um so when you're on that roster technically marijuana was illegal but they didn't test for it okay um they didn't test for really any drugs of abuse that much they did you could test positive they did test for adderall because that was viewed as a performance enhancer oh yeah that tunes you in and yeah. so like and then also you know like meth i think what could test as a performance enhancer well,
0: adderall is meth
1: so yeah exactly yeah so (laughs) that was that was the other thing like meth you know yeah (laughs) couldn't do i guess you couldn't do meth so no math um (laughs) now when you're in the minor leagues and you're just on the minor league roster you got tested for drugs of abuse a lot more oh really and so like all of those drugs were illegal and marijuana was on that list yeah so they just went through because of the whole deal with Tyler Skaggs, who was a teammate of mine in 2014, when he, because he got, um, you know, he passed away this year with like a, it was like alcohol, oxy and a fentanyl overdose, I guess. Fucking fentanyl, dude. And, um, and so I think because of that, they wanted to implement some like, just the opioid testing. Yeah. And, obviously, whenever you start entering testing, the union gets involved, and so I think. They said that they would do, like, heavier drugs of abuse, like, I guess, cocaine, or which I think they may have been tested for that anyways, but cocaine and some, like, heavy... It's going to be tough
0: to catch that one. Well, yeah, I think it's... Like, so 24 hours, yeah. yeah.
1: So cocaine and, like, some of the hard painkillers and narcotics, are, they're testing now. Yeah. But in, in order to do that, I guess they help the minor leaguers by not testing them for marijuana. So all that to say... <laughs> I think it's beneficial. Yeah. I think it's good for the rest of the baseball players. I had a bunch of the guys that I played with that were like, you should make a comeback. And I'm like, <laughs> not that I <laughs> – I'm like, you know, I think it's just – I don't – I'm not like a huge – I don't think weed's like awesome or marijuana's like the best thing. But I think to me it's very similar to alcohol. Like if you want to use it in – if you want to use it in – Moderation, then it can be an okay substance. I know from my time playing in the big leagues, marijuana was a lot more prevalent than actually drinking was. For sure. And because For sure. It you don't helped feel like people. shit the next day. Yeah, and that was <laughs> the biggest thing. You know, you kind of look at like the drugs of, over time in baseball, like in the 80s, they did a bunch of cocaine. In the 90s, they did a bunch of steroids. Well, early, late 90s and um, early 2000s, they did a bunch of steroids. Yeah. And and, you know, this last little bit it's always been about, you know, a lot more people s- smoke weed or yeah. take some edibles or do whatever. And that was more, like you said, you know, and they could go after the game and do whatever they wanted to do. And then yeah. they're not out at the bars all night. They don't right. wake up the next morning and are hungover. Because they couldn't do that because now they couldn't take Adderall or amphetamines anymore right. to get the up again. Yeah. And so, you know, when you wake up after smoking – it's not as bad or eating some weed they don't wake up and feel like shit anymore. Right. So, you know, I don't think it's I think we probably should legalize marijuana all over the place. Yeah. And I think it would I think it would help economically speaking too. Oh, for sure, without a doubt. Um there's you know, there's plenty of economists that have said you should legalize all drugs, you just tax them. Yeah. and turn it into more of like a sin tax, which yeah. again, I'm okay with as well.
0: Well, like legalize, or you could also decriminalize, or you know, yeah. you could you could treat um, substance abuse as like a, a like a health issue as opposed to like a criminal so issue. Well, it should be right. Yeah, it should um, be a health issue. I, d- I think from my perspective, with with sports and athletics, you know, we have these high level athletes who have very high demands especially in baseball. How many games you guys you play? 162. It's fucking and ridiculous. Something. Yeah. Crazy amount of, you know, nights on the road and yeah. training and in it's just hard on the body and yeah. just and just to have an option for pain relief or, you know what I mean, to, to decompress or, yeah. you know, anxiety or whatever, you know, however you're treating yourself, just to have that option. All of those things. All of those things, right? Yeah. Opposed to taking a narcotic, which right. is going to break down your liver and break down your kidneys and there's yeah. a huge substance abuse and, like, percentage of, like, addiction. Yeah, it's so way more addictive. It was pretty exciting, for at least for me in my perspective, to kind yeah. of see that change, um, at least just for options. Yeah. So my
1: biggest thing was... You know, from when I played, there was not a time when I was playing that I didn't constantly take a um, an anti-inflammatory, like ibuprofen, probably all the time. Well, and it was more even like heavily. It was like a like oh, like Tylenol three like or something. Yeah. What did you? What did we get? I can't even think. Voltaren, which that like screws up your stomach, dude. Um, so hard on you. And I mean, even like naproxen, which is basically a leave, but it's like for a leave that yeah. you take. Yeah. And those things are. Like I would play with them. I would pitch with them all the time because I would need them for some of the anti-inflammatory components. Yeah. And I think having all the guys now being able to, I think it's just more on a level playing field now, right? Yeah. That was the biggest thing that I didn't like from the big leagues to the minor leagues was that there were some things that was completely different and the money and the, I get that. That's fine. Yeah. Um. But, like, in AAA, when I was playing, we didn't use the same ball really? that the big leaguers used. And so you'd go up. And, and I was a guy that, like, I literally, in my first year playing baseball in 2013, yeah, I got called up to the big leagues, was up for two and a half weeks, sent back down. Right as I stepped off the plane, I got a phone call. And like, hey, you're coming back. So I flew back, <laughs> stayed for two days, got sent back down. Okay. Stayed for four days in the minor <laughs> leagues, got called back up. Like, was up for, like, four days and got sent back down. Holy hell. So you're all over. Hot potato. And it was using, like, a different ball, you know. So when I was going in Double I was using a different ball that I would use in the big leagues.
0: What's, different? What's the difference? Uh,
1: the le- they treat the leather differently. Oh. So, so the leather feels different. It feels the different. The big league balls are a lot more slick, and the minor league balls were a lot easier to grip. But they're standard size. Same size, same weight. It's more the feel on your fingertips, oh, okay. which is different. Yeah, that makes a big and difference. And so I always thought that that was, like, a big thing. I was like, that's so stupid. Last year, they switched to the regular balls. They Ooh. switched to so AAA and the big leaguers are using the same balls, which I'm like – Makes sense. Yeah, why wouldn't you use the same baseball? Yeah. So some of those things should stay the same, and I think allowing minor leaguers to treat them their bodies however they want to treat it. You yeah. Know? And you're also operating in states that – it has been legalized i know it's not legalized federally but like right we're getting there california though. washington I think even Boston legalized it. Did they? Or and then Colorado. Dude,
0: it's it's legal in most of the states in one form or another. Whether it's decriminalized or for medical use or for recreation, obviously less recreational states, but it's legal in one form or another at most places.
1: Yeah, the South is interesting. You know, down down in the South, specifically the Southeast. You know, the Bible Belt here. A lot of people view it as a. they view it as, like, a gateway drug. It's the devil's lettuce. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, so they view it as a gateway drug. And, you know. Sugar's the I real gateway know. drug. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. I mean, and you're probably not wrong. And I think there's tons of research out there. I, and There's probably research on both ends, that someone could say. And and I think from a gateway drug standpoint, it's probably more anecdotal evidence than than anything rather than a – rather than it being researched back that it could that it could lead you down the wrong path but i think again everything in moderation like that's life in general right yeah. like you could go have sugar and you can go have sweets as long as you don't only eat sweets yeah
0: that's where people fuck up dude you just go overboard too much yeah. of
1: anything is not good for you we're all addicts right i mean yeah. like we're you know we can all be addicted to stuff to something and yeah I was addicted to baseball. Yeah. You know, and there's things that you can be addicted to that that can be really good. Yeah. Like – Yeah. But you just got to know your type of personality. Yeah.
0: Like, hey, what was that transition like from – dude, you went from like an all-star, you know, in high school to killing it in college, you know, team captain, two World Series, and then like you went to the minor leagues. <laughs> like not to like be like oh well you only went to them obviously like that's super cool but yeah like to your point like they treated you different yeah
1: you know the the biggest thing so in 2011 when i was getting you know some i was getting some calls from scouts and they're like hey do you want to play professionally and i always told them yes and i did like i did want to play professionally but i still had another year of college that i could go to yeah i didn't know what i wanted to do I didn't know if I wasn't necessarily sold like yeah I'm ready to play professionally yet. Um and one of the reasons was that there was a guy that had went and played he played like f- parts of 5 years in the big league so he probably made, you know, decent amount of money. Decent. And he's like, "Man, this is the hardest year of my life." He was back in school, he was 31. He's like, "I'm going, he's like, I've got this year to get my degree. He's like, my wife we're like we're having a baby. My wife's working a job, but like my bank account's constantly going down. He's like, cause I'm not working.
0: Yeah.
1: And that was a huge impact on me. Cause I was like, man, I kind of want to just get my degree and figure it out from there. Yeah. So I ended up, I got drafted, told them no thanks. And then went back to college for my, my senior year and got my degree and then got drafted again and went into pro ball. And so at South Carolina, every Friday night that I pitched, I think we had like Eight thousand fans we almost had a sellout pretty much every time That's legit as shit and my, i'll never forget my first start was, I was so i got assigned to orem utah which is like byu provo area okay so you're like south of salt lake city um i was like man going to pro ball like i was a single guy at the time and my first start was on a sunday in orem and I like was going through my warm up, not really paying attention to much, you know, because I don't really notice a ton of stuff going on outside of what I'm when I'm like when I was going through my my prep work. But I, I would always kind of step on the mound, like take a big deep breath, like say a prayer, and, and like look up and get ready to go. And I did, after I did that, I looked up and there was like 50 people <laughs> in the stands, and I was like, <laughs> like "What why the?
0: Why hell? are we here right now?"
1: Yeah, I was like, "What is going on?" and um, I was like, "Man, welcome to pro ball." And yeah. nobody cares. <laughs> it, it it was tough. Like my first two months of pro ball I hated cuz I would I was in my in my senior year, I you know, it was just coming off my senior season. I'd already thrown like 140 innings or something. And so they wanted to limit me on the amount of innings I would throw. So I was only allowed to throw like I was on a starters routine, so throwing every 5 days, but
0: I was only allowed to throw two innings. Oh. So it's like that's brutal. Yeah. That you know, brutal. it sucked. Um, I mean, what's that? Like, if you did every five days, then that's like six times in a month, maybe? Yeah. I mean, essentially. Yeah.
1: You're like six times in a month. So I was getting, yeah, they were trying to limit me to like not throw more than 20 innings for those two months that I was out there. Yeah. Um, and they succeeded. And it sucked though, and I hated it. I was like, "Man, I'm, this this sucks." I went back, went back to Columbia for the off season, um, and I was glad to get a break. And it yeah. was my first real break from baseball. But the minor leagues was like, that was my intro, and yeah. I was like, "What the hell am I doing?" A little bit of a culture shock. Um, but when you know, once I took that break, I was ready to go. I kind of knew what I was getting into, you yeah. know. And really, it's you start to realize that you're playing like with a bunch of buddies and you're playing for each other and for yourself. Yeah. So the hardest thing to me about the minor leagues was that it was so much more, you can make it so much more about you. Yeah. Where in college, like we all just wanted to win. Yeah. You know. And team. in the minor leagues, everybody's like, oh, I got my three hits tonight. Or you could be like, oh, I got my seven innings. Cause at the end of the day, you're trying to get called up. If you won, you're like, ah, oh, we just won game 80 of you know 140 games that we have that season right like we're gonna do it again tomorrow if we lose yeah now you you don't want to keep getting your ass kicked right because then that's no fun but it's still it just became you can make it a lot more about yourself and i think if i could go back and do it again i would try to be a lot more team oriented but still it's Pretty hard to do that in, it's in tough, professional dude. sports. Yeah, I mean, at least
0: at the minor league level. Well, yeah, well, just sports in general, you got to be selfish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. You got to take care of yourself mm-hmm. because you're trying to perform well, you're trying to get paid, you're yeah. trying to get called up if you're in the, you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. And so that was
1: like the biggest difference about minor leagues. And I, and I loved it. I played with tons of great, like, there's so many good teammates I played with, but you also play with some guys that you're like, I'd be okay if I never saw them again. <laughs> um, yeah. And so there was some teams that i had an absolute blast with and when i was with the cubs in 2018 in triple a like man we had so many good guys on yeah. that team and it was so much fun and then i ended up getting traded and um i wish i would have stayed because that team was so much fun yeah but it's those when you have teams like that that's when you're you know you're like man this is like this this is why i'm playing this yeah. is a lot of fun makes so, it worth it yeah
0: dude well hey man it's, it's been a little over an hour. Um, um, Thank you so much for taking this time. Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. Thank uh, you. Uh, um, I'll leave the floor to you, though. If you want to tell the folks how they can check you out, or if there's anything that you wanted to to leave them with, or
1: yeah, well, I would say you can you can reach me at Twitter at mtroth29 or Instagram. Um, I'll be on there a lot more. You know, when I so when I was playing, uh, when I got called to the big leagues in 2013, people would just roast me on Twitter. Like, if you pitched well, pitched bad, they're like. Who the fuck is this guy? It's got to be hard. And I'm like, man, this shit sucks. I'm like, a human being, wanna, you yeah, know? Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to be on here anymore. Because I used to be on Twitter a lot. And so as I started, when I got in Pro Bowl, I was like, man, I kind of like want to get away. And yeah. I became a lot more private on that space. Yeah. Um, but one of the things in 2020 is I want to get more involved with it and just share more of what I'm up to and yeah, not necessarily life. even like sell, sell people anything, just be more open. And, um, you know, if people are going to roast me, I'm a lot, I'm in a lot better spot now to be like, <laughs> to be like, bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> roast laugh that one off. Um, now. so yeah, Twitter, Twitter and, uh, Instagram at MT 29. Right and, um, yeah, just, uh, don't be afraid to reach out
0: and, uh, you know, enjoyed it thanks for having me oh dude it was a pleasure dude so thanks again all right everybody until next time hey guys thank you so much i hope you're enjoying this show if you are do me a favor you know leave a five star rating and review if you are listening on apple podcast but also head over to our website outsideperspectivepodcast.com and get on our mailing list you know get on the mailing list we'll send you exclusive content we will let you know when we're dropping new episodes, and you'll always stay in the know as far as what's going on. So check us out over there, outsideperspectivepodcast.com. Uh, as always, leave a rating, leave a review, like I said, but also tell a friend, man. Just help us grow this thing. Hit you know, hit our socials. You know, follow us there. Follow me personally, Adam Meredith underscore. Just all that good stuff. You know, just let, let, let's grow this thing and uh, connect with more and more people and help shift some perspectives. As always, big thank you to my sponsors, Jumbo Superfoods. Go to jumbocbd.com. Also, St. Louis Deck and Fence. You can go to stldeckandfence.com. Check those guys out. If you are local to St. Louis and you're in the market for a new deck or a new fence, these guys are your guys. They're producing all beautifully crafted uh decks and fences so check them out also Convergence Media Group we've been partnering with them for quite some time and they've been helping us kill it so they can help you guys as well they partner with uh, companies across all industries they will help you thrive in this digital world so go check them out ConvergenceMG.com as well as ConvergenceMG across all social platforms and uh, yeah shit man I think that's it guys that's all I have for you um, hey listen I love you it's 2020 guys there's a lot of crazy shit going on in the world we'll talk about that on a later podcast but uh man let's just keep rocking and rolling and and fucking winning the day one day at a time guys i love you i'll catch you next time bye